0: You're listening to Men With Spirit.
1: Join us as we explore what it means to be a modern man and live a spirited life. G'day and uh, welcome to episode 50 of Men With Spirit at Radio Karam. If you're new to the show, our aim is to explore topics, ideas and knowledge to help you become more authentically connected with yourself and others. And integral to this is to live your life according to your values. This show is an extension of the work we do in our Men with Spirit weekly men's group. And my name is Peter Anthony and I'm here with my co-host Steve Angel G'day, Steve. How are you today? I'm
0: great, Peter, and it's nice to have you back after yes. uh, being away at the last show. I've still got a bit of a husky yep. voice, I think. Yep. Uh, but, did, uh, can I say something? Yep, yep. Did you say 50 episodes? This
1: is the 50th episode.
0: Where's the cake?
1: <laughs> we should have. <laughs> we should blow some candles out or something like that. It's, uh, it's yeah, amazing. 50. So what, this is Do you imagine fabulous. that? No, I did. That's no, no, quite incredible, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a lot of very good guests join us over that time. Yes. Um, lots have been happening for you over the last few weeks. What,
0: uh, anything you want to share? You've been a busy boy. I have been. I've just come back on the, from the weekend um, f- at a wedding for a friend up in Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful day. It was a lovely wedding. Um, so that was, a, that was a sort of a lovely experience beautiful part of the world. I mm. don't know if you've ever been up there, but it's, it's the gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous, yeah. yeah. And also, too, want wanted to um, make mention to one of our members, Ken, um, in our group, mm-hmm. who has so kindly donated and made a donation to his children's school over mm-hmm. Port Primary. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, on our behalf, the Memory Spirit group on our behalf, he's made that donation. And the other day, he sent through some photos of some merchandise yeah, now that I has our, yeah. our logo on it, some yeah that the kids are wearing and so a big shout out to Ken for doing that. Thank yeah, you very much. Thanks, Ken. That's yeah. most appreciated. Yeah. What about you, Peter?
1: Uh, busy time. A couple of things of note that have happened. Um, last weekend, I, or the weekend before last, um, I went to the 150th anniversary of the church I was actively involved in as a youngster in Brunswick uh, many years ago at St Ambrose's. And... Uh, uh, I happened to bump into the curate, that uh, the young priest that was there at the time. There was another guy. So this guy was Father John McCarthy. Another one was um, another one was Paul Garland. And uh, Paul had passed away, I learned. But uh, John was there. And he's 90 years old now. And it just made me reflect. And I shared a few photos I happened to have on the phone with him. And we had a good old chat. And it was just interesting how many people really loved him and just flocked around him and that brought back all those memories. And it, it was an interesting experience for me, it, it just the di- dichotomy between what you feel about the institution, what I feel about the institution, good and bad now, and what I felt about him and, and Paul at the time, and the, and the effect that um, an individual in your early childhood uh, who's living their values and very honest and loving individual can have on you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was really – and I just did a bit of a memory lane stuff around there because I hadn't really been in the area for years and years and years. So that was really good. And the other thing that happened just this um, last weekend was I attended the pop choir concert at the um, Palais Theatre in St Kilda and uh, one of our men's group guys, Alan was performing and it turned out another guy we know, Rob Edmonds, he was also performing yeah. and it was a really uplifting, joyous occasion and a community yeah. and they actually got the audience involved in singing as well. But uh, from what I can see, the theatre seemed to be totally packed, which is, it's a huge theatre. It is. And uh, it was a great experience, just bringing people together as a community with everything that's going on in the world and just having this joyous um uh rendition of different songs and voices raised in love and happiness and joy. It was just really quite uplifting. So that was a great experience for me as well. Just the power of music. Mm.
0: And, uh, yeah, so that was great.
1: So they were a couple of things
0: I was involved in. Yeah. Can't wait to uh, see some of the uh, footage from that pop choir performance. Yes, yes, it should be good. Anyhow, for… Who's on the show
1: today? For our, For this show, Steve… We are very privileged and grateful to have a person we've known for many years, Zeb Riley, joining us to have an honest conversation about death. Zeb, welcome and thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Hello guys and thank you for the privilege of being here and I feel a bit excited. I'm here for the 50th episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great to have you. Um over the course of the last two years on the show, we've touched on the prospect of dying or passing in a, in a few different ways, uh, including an episode with um, funeral celebrant Leonie Adams, which is episode 22, um, uh, discussing preparing to pass. And uh, we all know that the That the inevitability of dying is the only certainty in life, yet is is a topic that for many of us we tend to avoid discussing. In today's show, Zeb, you're sharing your journey, um, which finds you now at 66 years of age. That's it. um, In the final terminal stages of cancer. Uh, we, Steve and I found Zeb's outlook on a current situation to be very positive, uplifting and inspiring, uh, which is why we want to give you the opportunity to share with uh, with your listeners, with our listeners, uh, your steri- story today, Zeb. Um, and a warning, you've got a very irreverent sense of humour.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try and censor myself and, <laughs> and discover the filters that... Uh, tend to
1: sit no, out we, in the no, back room. You be you. Be you. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Seb, perhaps to start things off, and Steve and I will just have a bit, you know, we're just basically having a conversation with you, but um, can you share with us, please, your state of well-being now and how things have unfolded for you since January 2023?
2: Um, I'm actually still doing pretty well. I, I have more days now where I'm a lot more fatigued and I have a lot more discomfort. Um, however, I still have many days where I can still get up and push through that and still really enjoy my life and I'm lucky mm. enough to have... A very good community of people around me that I'm very connected with them, and they certainly connect with me. And that, of course, adds to a great quality of life mm. whilst I'm dying.
0: Mm. <laughs> Seb, you've chosen not to participate in traditional forms of, let's um, call it, um, medical, medical intervention. Medical intervention, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask why you've chosen?
2: I think that the first thing that influenced me was a long time ago when my mother was dying of cancer. Mm -hmm. She did many rounds of chemotherapy. I watched her hair fall out a couple of different times. Um, I watched the impact it had on her body as a whole. But more importantly I saw the impact on her mental health and wellbeing Mm -hmm. and she just closed in on herself and um, she became quite angry and quite inaccessible in many ways. She came from a very British stiff upper lip culture which invades a lot of our culture in Australia where you don't speak about death and um, so seeing her whole journey with that um, was very disconnecting, Mm -hmm. not only for her with the impact of the medical interventions but how she then connected with people around her. And as a result, when she passed, she didn't have a a real sense of peace Mm -hmm. about Mm her. And she was angry. And um, and there was a lot of censorship about talking about death,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which even back then I used to find um, ironic given that every single one of us is mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. die. Not one person exca- escapes death, even those people who think cryogenics, mm-hmm. that's the <laughs> answer freeze and thaw out later. I'm
0: not really sure why anyone wants to live that long. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, particularly if your body's a bit gammy mm. <laughs> so from whatever it is that knocked you off in the first place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that set in place. And I was 25 at the mm. time. So that set in place my philosophy around why is it that we can't talk about death when it is part of life? I mean, that's just such an obvious thing.
0: Mm. And now this isn't the first time that you've experienced cancer in your life. Mm. You did have breast cancer, is that correct? Yes,
2: so like my mother, uh, I got breast cancer and my grandmother and evidently um, the possibility of my great-grandmother because she died in her 40s. So in other words, I signed up for a family where Mm. breast cancer is a strong genetic Um, for me that was 16 years ago and it was a a bit of a – it was just a little visit. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was my first taster and – but, yeah, they they got it surgically and um, I did have some radiation. Um, I look back now and I really wish I hadn't put my body through that because Mm -hmm. it burnt the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. Excuse me for Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. dropping that word. Um, And – and the, given that the surgical line was clear, um, I just should have trusted my body. But um, anyway, I did come through it, obviously, because I'm still a, alive mm-hmm. today, even though I'm now dying. Um, but um, yeah, so that was my first fairly benign foray into the cancer world.
1: And what, what, are, you, what are the conditions you're dealing with at the moment?
2: Um, I now have bowel cancer. So, I, when I was first diagnosed back in January um, with a 14 centimetre um, tumour in my rectum, and mm-hmm. then there was another tumour, unrelated, mm-hmm. uh, by body likes twins, because <laughs> that actually happened in my left breast. I had two unrelated tumours, they were smaller. And, um, yeah, and I've also um, got spots on my lung, my left lung as well. So, yeah, the the cancer decided this time to really hone in and come home. And um, so, yeah, so I, I, I don't even think about how big the 14 centimetre cancer would be now because it would mm. be no point mm-hmm. because your mind goes crazy mm. and you can fall into the land of hypochondria mm. and that means fear would be driving me. That's not to say I don't have moments mm-hmm. um, because, of course, it's starting to pressure my bladder and, you know, my uterus and, you know, reminds me I've also got an, mm. an anus and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. Um, so, but, yeah, I refuse to just because um, I'm also a very visual person so it would be very easy for me to run with all sorts of scenarios of the world of cancer in my mm. body um, so yeah I have to be quite disciplined with myself.
1: If anyone looking at you yes would say you look incredibly healthy and um, vibrant, mm. um, but the reality internally is quite, is quite yeah, different. Yeah, well,
2: I'm, I'm, it's two opposites. Yeah, yeah, And in fact, a lot of people all the time say to me, you look so well. And of course, with my irreverent sense of humour, you know, every now and then it spills out of my mouth and I'll say things like, yeah, look what terminal cancer can <laughs> do for you. <laughs> and they look slightly shocked. <laughs> and, and I'm sure some people think I'm faking it. Mm. um but then you know they're not with me on the days where I really you mm. know I feel pretty mm. crappy and and the couch and I have a very good relationship these days.
1: why why do you have this um attitude, this philosophy uh, to life and to dying and to the, dealing with this cancer in this way? As opposed to the traditional medical intervention, what what's guided you in making that decision?
2: Well, one, I didn't want to go into the whole um, battle mentality. Mm. You know, it's a war. Mm. Because and that's very much the language that's used, it isn't is. it? It is not it And for me that's really negative and so, of course, energetically that's really negative and that's of, that's the last thing that I need to put myself through and therefore my body through, um, being angry about it.
4: Mm.
2: It is as it is. This is what I've come in to deal with for, you know, a whole range of reasons. So I choose to use it as a time to grow and to come to peace with the life I've led and to also come to peace with all the mistakes I've made because like every human being I've been terribly imperfect and it took me a long time to accept that I am here to be imperfect because as a human I'm here to grow. Whereas if I'd come in as perfect, well, where to from there? There wouldn't have been anywhere. <laughs> and, of course, I did then got fairly bored. Um, but that's taken me a while to get to that realisation. So in this last part of my life... Um, Yeah, it's an opportunity to grow, which I wouldn't have had if I'd taken on the warfare warfare mentality of all the various medical interventions.
1: And talking about that negativity, that uh, hashtag, excuse the language. Hashtag
2: fuck cancer. Yeah, that one. Mm.
1: What's your thought about that? Because that seems to be fairly common, I see, on cars and that sort of
4: thing these days.
2: Well, immediately it induces an angry feeling. Mm. And I've noticed with people that have that response to cancer, they're angry and I I don't judge them because, Mm. you know, it is easy to feel angry if you choose to walk that road because suddenly you're faced with your mortality in in a lot of cases, not all. Um, And also, you know, the impact it's going to have on your body, the pain, all the rest of it. There's a lot of fear. It's very fear-driven. And um, yeah, and anything that involves fear is going to, you know, minimize people and make them feel overwhelmed and, and and therefore a sense of wanting to give up. Mm. And I don't choose to go down that mm. path.
1: And fear's in Lovers Out.
2: Yeah. yeah. And our, our anger's mm. in mm. Lovers Out. Mm. Same deal. Mm.
0: Yep. So, can I ask you a question? In making this very sort of bold decision to not go through the medical intervention, have you experienced um, resistance um, um, from other people uh, who have questioned it, especially those who are close to you who have gone, why are you doing this?
2: Interestingly, because of my age, a lot people are a lot more accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, However, that doesn't stop some people and, and, you know, their motivation is positive and loving Mm -hmm. to send me the odd article of, you know, what can we – you know, what you can do. This is the miracle cure. Mm -hmm. And um, and it becomes pointless because Mm -hmm. you start running down so many rabbit holes and whilst you're doing that you're not actually – coming to any sort of peace. You're holding on to a false hope. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that some interventions can't help Um, but, you know, mine is – pretty. my cancer has well and truly landed and Mm -hmm. it's not going anywhere. And it's not about me giving up, it's about me going – No, I'm going to use this part of my life to consciously live it Mm -hmm. and to connect with people and give love and feel their love. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I know I've lived my life well. Yeah. Mm.
1: And I think you put some notes together uh, on your journey and uh, there's a quote you put there that you've chosen the sweetness of life rather than the bitterness of death. I think that's a really nice way of summarising what you... What you've decided to do.
2: And I and I have to say that, you know, what's it been since January? I think it's 11 months. And when I first heard the um, prognosis from the surgeon um, who I, I didn't warm to in the, the first place, he was quite arrogant and I felt like the slap of meat the way he spoke to me. Um, but, uh, you know, over this last 11 months... Um, because what I was going to say is I thought I was going to die a lot earlier. I didn't even think I was going to make it to my 66th birthday in May. Mm. So I was shocked to get to that and beyond. Mm -hmm. And um, but what what it's done, it's given me that time to find the sweetness in life. And I have to say, I struggled with finding that sweetness in, in life in prior years. I got stuck in a lot of self-pity parties Mm -hmm. and um, being incredibly self-critical and, you know, I was never at peace in myself. And I've had these last few months to discover what love really is. People have been amazing. You know, the thing that's brought me to tears is not the cancer and what's ahead of me. What's brought me to tears is the love of people ...and their support and their desire to just go, hey, we're here. And 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 showing it in concrete ways. And then on top of that, the love I've then felt... Mm-hmm. Um, ...well, it goes both ways, you know. There's no sort of beginning and end. And I feel so grateful that I've had that opportunity. And within all of that... I went to a conference in Vietnam on truth.
1: uh, We've mentioned that a few weeks ago you and I both did that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, to have the opportunity to look at truth in the face, um, you know, that's all part of coming to peace because there's so much we want to avoid, Mm -hmm. all because of our fear of being imperfect and we want to draw a pretty picture around ourselves. And so... I'd still, i still – I've had enough energy and wherewithal to do that and that's all been part of, you know, not leaving any stone unturned, mm-hmm. that I can find, you know, those things that have kept me stuck in my life and caused me a lot of unnecessary unhappiness and which then held me back from growth at various mm. times. You know, it was a form of avoidance.
0: Yeah. Would you have, do you feel that you would have, exp- and this is all hypothetical because we don't know, but yeah. do you feel in your heart that by making this very different decision, that it's given you the opportunity to experience the sweetness of life? And in doing so, what have you learned about life?
2: I don't believe it. Um, if I'd, for instance, walked down the line of medical interventions, I'd have been feeling sick. Mm-hmm. all the time, my self-esteem would have been impacted because I would have had a colostomy bag mm-hmm. and I didn't really like the idea of leakage on white T-shirts and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a fairly vain in that sort of <laughs> way. And um, and I, I like my fashions and mm-hmm. shoes and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. um So, yeah, and I just would have felt... Like really uncomfortable mm. in my body, so I, I wouldn't have had much sweetness, and um, yeah, and I, I I can't put it any better than yeah. than that. I'm not sure I completely answered your question then, Steve.
0: Well, the other part of the question was, what have you learnt about life that you said it feels sweeter now? You've you've mentioned how people. Have been very supportive, but what else have you learned about life, and maybe the things that not just only you but maybe we're all getting stuck in in life that maybe we need to start to shed now that you're looking at death in a way that is more courageous, more brave, more accepting of death? Mm. Yeah, is there anything there that you've learned?
2: You know, that cliche of um, you only have this moment. Mm-hmm you suddenly become aware because there's a limited time left how important it is to be present Mm -hmm. in your life Mm -hmm. because so often you're busy worrying about the future, you Mm -hmm. know, where are the finances going to come from, where is this going to come from and so on and so forth. Am I going to fail at that? Am Mm -hmm. I going to, you know, be successful in this? And then all of a sudden you know that there's not a whole lot of future left. So suddenly you're just thrown really into the moment. Mm -hmm. So I'll find myself in times with friends where we're having a laugh and I'll just – the sweetness of that really hits me. Mm -hmm. Or for me being a country person, you know, having that opportunity to go and sit in a forest and and listen – To the birds and the wildlife and and the wind coming through the leaves and, and, you know, or going down to the beach Mm -hmm. and, you know, and the rush of just that connection because you feel so present. Whereas, yeah, before it was always racing, racing, racing. Yeah.
1: Mm. You're discussing death then. Can I just ask what's your belief about – sorry, you're discussing life – but your belief about death and what's influenced you in in forming those beliefs? What do you think happens when you die?
2: Because I've studied a lot of spiritual development, Mm with Sphinx Spiritual, that has really helped me um, have a a belief system that is supporting me at this point in my life. Mm -hmm. And that is once my spirit passes from the casing, my body, um I move into the world of spirit and in the world of spirit is the most incredible feeling of love and light. And I just want to refer to a meditation that I had in early November last year. So in my spiritual development circle mm-hmm. we were asked to meditate just on why. So, so the topic was why. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And... Um, I thought, okay, see what my guide comes through with on this one. And it was two parts. This was, by the way, before Mm -hmm, I knew I had mm -hmm, cancer. mm -hmm. Anyway, the first part of the meditation was all about shedding, Mm -hmm. which of course has become very pertinent. The second half was I was suddenly in this cave and there was a massive hole in the top of the cave and there was just the most incredible light coming in. And the feeling that I got of that was the most beautiful sense of peace and love. It's beyond words. And I've since heard people who've had um, near-death experiences describe that. And anyway, a voice said to me, are you ready to come home now? And in this meditation, I felt this incredible exhaustion. And it was just – and I remember – remember saying yes and it was this relief that I could leave this body behind and Mm -hmm. um, that of course has stuck with me and I find that to this day amazing Mm -hmm. that I had that meditation with no idea with what was ahead of me and of course all of that has helped me with the lead up Um, to me dying, to know I'm actually going to be okay and, in fact, I'm going to be looking forward to releasing this body because I'm already having days where the relentlessness at times of the fatigue and the discomfort, which isn't, you know, 100% of the time, but there are times where that relentlessness is exhausting and I find myself going, at what point do I surrender? Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, I will know that time, and it's not yet, mm-hmm. because there's still this little burning thing in me that I've still got some life to live, and I'm going to live it as well as I can.
1: Yeah, and in the, after after the break, we'll um, discuss the sort of things you are doing, which is really inspiring. So, but before we get to that. Um, reincarnation you, you mentioned about going to the spirit world. Mm. Where does reincarnation fit into this in terms of your beliefs?
2: Um, well, that's a very important part. Mm-hmm. So for me, this is not an ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an ending of this particular life. Uh, then I go to spirit world. I have that time of rest, mm-hmm. um, that time to recuperate, to recognise what I did or didn't do in, in this life I've had. Mm-hmm um and you know what i will have to redo because i chose to avoid and i have had times in my life of of definitely being an avoider and um so yeah but i'm also really aware that every time i have a life the wisdom and the experiences of that life they're embedded in my Mm -hmm. spirit so the the wisdom I've had this lifetime that has helped me through, that's something I came in with. It's not something I learnt at school or I learnt from my parents. Um, My parents were, you know, certainly didn't teach me much of the wisdom that I had. Mm -hmm. So the wisdom I now I'm learning particularly at this point is again going to be embedded in my spirit mm-hmm. and so each time you know every time I come back I can use that wisdom and for me with my belief systems, it's about well how can I help humanity move forward and so this is this is not to no avail what I'm going through. It's something I take with me, what I'm learning that I bring back next time to help others and hopefully, obviously, at this point in my life that I I can help people now with their view of life and death.
1: Good. Thank you. Um, In the second – we're going to play a bit of music in a sec – but in the second half what I'd like to do is to talk more about your background and what you've done in your life and your expertise and and how you're choosing – ...to uh, lead this, uh, this last part of your life... ...and the sort of contributions you're still making... ...and the differences you're making. So we'll, we'll cover all that after the break. But what we do, Zeb, is um, we ask people... ...as regular listeners would know... ...we ask people to nominate a couple of pieces of music... ...that mean something to them. Now, you've chosen... Uh, ...one of the songs you've chosen... ...is called The Little Church by Donovan. Now, would you like to explain why you chose this particular piece of music and what it means to you?
2: I think once people hear the song and the lyrics, Mm -hmm. um, it's self-explanatory. It's about living life well. And um, so, yeah, people listen to those lyrics. They're beautiful and they come from the heart for the heart. Thank you. We'll play it now.
0: Hey, I'm Jane Oakley, a Matilda alumni footballer, number 36, and you're listening to Radio Karim. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome back. You are listening to Men with Spirit on Radio Karim. My name is Steve Angel, and I'm here with my co-host, Peter Anthony. Today, our guest is Zeb, really, um, and we're having a very honest conversation about death. Uh, a conversation that i we feel is an important one to have um based on not only just the desire to make this particular aspect of our life m- more accessible but more honest we're all going to die, and um the idea that we speak very little about this culturally, I know from my own experience peter you know i I come from a middle eastern family um the whole concept of of death and even referring to things like cancer even the word cancer is not even mm. referred to it's, it's considered almost like a you're inviting it into your life so the conversations like this that we're having today with Zeb are just just not something part of our life um so I'm I'm really thrilled that we were able to have this conversation and also hear from Zeb so let's let's get back to Zeb and um Zeb just before we, we get into the second half, do you want to just share with everyone, you know, what do you do? Because you haven't stopped working. You you're, you have a range of qualifications. Um, do you want to just share them with us and, and tell us what you're actually doing for, for work at the moment?
2: Sure. I have scaled back. Um, I certainly don't work at the pace or the amount of work that I used to. Um, But I'm still managing to work. Mm -hmm. Um, So, of course, that continues to give me purpose and a reason to keep going. Um, My background, originally I I was actually a drama teacher, um, which suited me perfectly because I've always had that. Part of the <laughs> drama queen in me which I didn't necessarily use positively um, and um, I also taught English um, but yeah there came a point where I knew there was more to my life than that um, I always felt that the, the kids that used to come to my classes I was secondary trained um, inevitably they'd end up with some sort of therapeutic turn. Mm. Um, So I was forever hearing their life stories and what they were dealing with. And so I ended up leaving and I did a um, degree in counselling. I actually did psychology first and realised I didn't want to work in in that way. Um, And then I did a a degree in counselling... But I always wanted to do art therapy. So I did a master's in art therapy um, because I loved using creativity to engage people. Um, And um, and then, oh, you know, ten or so years later I ended up doing a diploma in spiritual counselling, which I have to say, whereas the others, they'd get, you know, a few inches below the surface... I discovered with spiritual counselling it would like it would get, you know, like miles (laughs) below the surface Mm -hmm. which, of course, I personally experienced. I didn't always particularly like what I discovered but it was stuff that needed to come out that I'd spent a long time hoarding in Mm -hmm. the back room and that needed a a good clearing out and like so many hoarders I fought the whole way to... um, have what i'd avoided exposed um, so at this point in my life um, not only do i still see the odd private client for spiritual counseling and i do combine a bit of art therapy but that's mainly with younger children mm-hmm. but i still use image in postcards and stuff like that you know how's your life looking at the moment how does it feel when you're looking at that image And that's, you know, a wonderful window into somebody's inner life and they get to see it as well and it becomes a concrete thing they can share. Um, I'm also a medium, so I'm still doing readings, which I love to do. Um, and just
1: on that, you only recently became a medium yeah, didn't back you an in, accredited medium with the Sphinx spiritual. Yeah back oh.
2: in March it's amazing what mm. death can do for you. <laughs> <laughs> get your skates on. Yeah. <laughs> and I recommend get your skates on a much early on in yeah, the piece yeah. so that you can achieve a lot more whereas you know mm. I've had to do it at a more accelerated pace. Um, But besides that, the other thing I do, I I work two days a week in a a little Catholic school in Leangatha. And the thing I love about working there, it's called St Lawrence's, is they have the most wonderful sense of community. And in fact, their mission statement is love in action. And I don't have a religious background but their philosophy really suits my philosophy and I get the opportunity to work with these young people and getting them to look at their lives and how they see their futures and and what they can do to, you know, forge their Mm. lives in such a way that may help others. And, of course, I bring into it... Um, my spiritual values i bring in nine of the the 11 spiritual values so things such as equality and accountability and so when the kids are all you know being a bit noisy or whatever i'll just say so what's the the value you're not putting into practice they go equality and (laughs) because they've recognized they're treating me as if i'm of less worth and Mm. they immediately get it and i said so You know, where are you stuck? Oh, we're stuck in ego. We're (laughs) making it all about us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but they say it with smiles on their faces. And um, so what I'm doing is in the work I do, I'm being a drama teacher, I also incorporate a bit of drama, art therapy and discussion. And within that I weave the spiritual values so that they can live their lives as consciously as possible. ...and hopefully be able to navigate their way through their lives... ...in a manner that um, opens up doors and windows. I I work with boys a lot. I love working with the Mm -hmm. boys. And given the, the high rates of alcoholism and suicide and drug abuse in teenage boys... ...I particularly love working with them at a primary school level... Um, and and I, I talk to them about the importance of expressing their feelings. Mm-hmm. And these boys are just brilliant. And they'll cry in mm-hmm. front of each other. And these are grade six boys that have become too cool for school. And yet they're so used to having these open, honest and truthful conversations about their fears and... Um, what's ahead of them and and so, you know, I can't help but feel passionate about that. I've also worked with adolescent boys as well. I've run groups with them in the past and, you know, I really challenge them because they've started to get a little bit stuck and, you know, and they get stuck in a persona and so I set about ripping that back and then, of course, what emerges are these beautiful... Young men and um, I don't do that now but I certainly love doing that.
1: Can I ask with with the clients, you know, with the the kids in the school and the other clients you've got, are they um, aware of your um, medical situation currently and and how do they react to what you're going through?
2: Yeah, they are aware. Mm -hmm. I chose to tell them early on in the piece and I very much had the support of a wonderful principal, Lisa Lachlan, and the deputy principal, Anna Patterson. What a team they Mm -hmm. make. Mm -hmm. They've been incredibly supportive. Um, But, you know, there was no, oh, you can't speak about death. It was like, yeah, you know, go for it. And they, in fact, sent an email out to the parents as well Because they knew it would be an opportunity for kids to go home um, and, you know, and talk with their parents because, of course, they're losing, you know, grandparents or Mm. their animals or whatever... And the kids were really open because I said to them, you know, you can ask me any question. And the thing that worried them most was my dog because my dog comes in as this my. Is Betsy Sue. Yes, <laughs> she's my assistant. <laughs> and they've been used to having me and her for a, <laughs> a few years now. So they were more concerned about what was going to happen to her. So I had to reassure them that, you know, I wasn't just dumping her on the street somewhere and that she was going to a really good, loving home. And, um, yeah, and look, every now and then, because, you know, I've, I've lived way beyond my use-by date here and, um, and then, you know, I, I think every week when I turn up it's like, oh, gosh, you're still here. <laughs> and, um, but they'll check in and for a while there they'd come and give me a hug. And they don't do that so much anymore because I th- they figure obviously I'm around for you know quite a bit longer um, but they're noticing I'm having more days of less energy and, and they're still so beautiful and every now and then they want to ask questions and, and I just tell them straight um, because I hope that I can engender in them a lot less fear around death you know, mm. that it's part of life, it's part of living. At some point, we're going to go. And I explain it in terms of, you know, my body's just a casing and my spirit will leave. I call it spirit world. I know they call it heaven. And I say that to them. I mm. said, you know, you probably refer to it as heaven um, because, I, you know, it's important I respect their belief mm-hmm. systems. So, yeah.
0: So, what's the relationship? To what you're going through now, and vulnerability. What have you learned about that, and its importance?
2: Well, what I've learned is, when you have bowel cancer, you are humbled. <laughs> 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 just before, I just had to whip out <laughs> and <laughs> race back to get to this microphone um and you know various things happen um you know those untalked about things to do with poo and farts and leaks (laughs) and all the rest of it so you get humbled really quickly I have to you know wear pull-up pants now when Mm. I go to bed so it's like the cycle you know Mm. nappies when you start out and here I am at this age in pull-up pants but it's all part of you know what what I'm, I'm going through, but it's humbled me. Um, arrogance has been, you know, a real go-to for me. It hit a lot of my insecurities. So, you know, if I present it to the world of, oh, I've got it together and, you know, it's a bit of a know-it-all, all the rest of it, I cringe when I think back on all those years mm-hmm. of my arrogance Um, you know, one-upmanship and, you know, i so got it together when I so didn't because inside I was just, you know, falling apart with insecurity and, oh, I'm not good enough and um, all those stupid belief systems that are such a waste of time and, um, yes, I... um Can I ask...
1: What advice would you give other people that have uh, perhaps uh, got cancer or or they've got some terminal illness and they're facing death? Um, Based on your experience, what advice would you give people in in terms of how to approach things? Um,
2: I don't think I'm in a position to tell other people how to deal with it because we're all so different and we all have different belief systems Mm -hmm. that inform us. Um, For me, because of the studies I've done with Sphinx Spiritual, that set me up Mm -hmm. to a greater level of acceptance and peace um, because of my understanding of spirit world and past lives and what have you. And some people um, who are atheists... um, you know like so what i would have to say wouldn't be relevant mm-hmm, to them my mm-hmm, father yep. was an atheist and i remember when he was near passing i was constantly saying look for the light <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whether he did or not once he passed but hey you know yeah. mm-hmm. um i certainly tried my best to offer him something that may give him may have given him peace when he passed so I think everyone has to find their own mm-hmm. journey and all I can say is find a, you know, have a belief system that truly resonates, that is, has substance that ultimately gives you peace.
0: Mm. You did mention um, when we were talking off air about the significance of fear, especially around this stage of the journey um, and how that causes tension in the body which ultimately will cause pain so a lot a lot of what you've been expressing today is about letting go of much of that fear not just because of the fear itself but also it's it's an impact on the body yeah and i and i think that's a really big message that i'm hearing from what you're you've been Mm -hmm. sharing is that this fear can be really a, a driver to cause more pain
2: yes Absolutely. And for me when fear kicks in it means I'm racing towards the end Mm -hmm. and um, one thing I've learnt, it's one step at a time, Mm -hmm. which means being really present as mentioned earlier because as soon as I race ahead I go into all sorts of scenarios and with my creative mind I can go down. Mm. You know, I also mentioned earlier all sorts of rabbit holes and therefore in turn that causes me huge fear and of course my body then tenses up. That causes more fatigue and therefore breakthrough discomfort is certainly a lot more obvious and so it's like I suddenly have to put the reins on myself Mm. and pull myself in. ...and remind myself to be just totally present. And then it's like I can just breathe out. And then I look around me and see what's here right now. I might, you know, go for a a walk um, amongst trees or wherever. Um, And, yeah, that's just such an important... Thing to do in order to not get caught up in that fear mentality because, yeah, that's when the hypochondria mm. kicks in and everything becomes bigger than Ben-Hur. Mm. Mm.
1: Good. Is there any anything else you'd like to share at this date? I, I should point out that you have put together some amazing um, personal reflections and thoughts about seven pages of notes um, called which you've entitled Letting Go, Consciously Living Whilst Dying. Um, We were discussing it before we started the show and uh, you said, look, um, perhaps a version of that could be made available to people if they wanted to have a bit of more of an understanding of some of the things you've discussed. But is there anything else that you feel you'd like to share at this stage on the show? Um,
2: I I just think... You know, maybe the, the thing that's hit me the most is the importance of love and connection, mm-hmm. which, of course, is the value of shared energy, mm-hmm. of recognising there's something, you know, so much bigger than who you are. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was another thing that was always an issue for me is I was very stuck in ego. Um, and, and and what, the,
0: what do you mean by that? Just so people get a bit more clarity
2: basically making it all about me Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and not recognizing the impact of my actions on Mm -hmm. others Um, and you know that's where I had to wake up to the value of shared energy Mm -hmm. um, recognizing I was was part of something bigger than it all being about me Mm -hmm. and you know there was always this need to feel special Mm -hmm. um, to feel that empty place in myself and so therefore yeah me 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 Mm -hmm. and um you know and of of course to really connect with people and 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 to seriously feel more than just you it's love Mm
4: -hmm.
2: as corny as that perhaps sounds but but that's the truth
4: yeah
2: and You know, it opens up your – well, for me, it's opened up my heart in a way that I actually never thought was possible. Um, I always had struggled with love. I was afraid of it. Mm -hmm. I associated it with pain. Mm And I actually associated it with disconnection (laughs) rather Mm. than connection. Um, And so that often led to being feeling lonely, Mm -hmm. which also then meant I was stuck in ego. And that meant that there were times I would get a lot of depression, um, which of course, you know, for me was therefore avoiding my Mm -hmm. life because I was feeling sorry for myself. Um, You know, I wasn't like permanently in that state. But I have to say in this last part where perhaps I, I may have more of a reason for self-pity and to give up, um, yeah, it's it's done the opposite of opening me up Yeah, and giving me the peace I never really had had. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. You mentioned too – I know where time is uh, at the essence here um, – uh, You said um, when people reach out to you, uh, it can validate, it validates your life. What did you mean by that?
2: Well, because you become aware of what it is you have to give, how Mm. you can impact on others, how, you you know, some people have said to me, oh, you're an inspiration. I still struggle Mm. with that um, but I also think, well, if that's what I'm able to be for people, I feel proud of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things at the end of your life, that if you can feel proud of the life you've led, that's so important.
4: Yeah. Mm.
2: that That's part of what fills your heart
4: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: because you then truly know you've impacted on others and helped them in their life in, in some way or another.
1: Yeah, thank you. Zeb, you are an inspiration.
4: and uh, Oh, thanks, and, Peter. Yeah, I mean,
2: <laughs> I'll that, have a big head soon.
1: No, you are. Um, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. And mm-hmm. I think you've left us all with a lot to ponder. Um, so thank you. And a big virtual hug from both of us for this um, next final stage of your life. Um, thank you. And we're just so pleased you were able to come and join us today.
2: Yeah, it's been a privilege, I have to say, to, yeah. to be here to have this opportunity.
1: No, the, the privilege is mm. us. Uh, look, um, we've just got a couple of things to wrap up on and then we'll come back to the final piece of music you've chosen. to Go yeah. out on a high. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, just to say, look, information and links about our shows are available from the Radio Karam website, which is org, or via our Facebook page, which is at Men With Spirit. And our shows are available on all the major podcast platforms within a day or so of broadcasting. Uh, if you want to uh, attend any of our Men With Spirit gatherings, event details, including how to register, are on our Men With Spirit Facebook page, or you can email us at connect at menwithspirit.com.au. And locally, we meet in Frankston usually every Monday evening. Uh, Just to note that our last regular meeting for 2023 will be on Monday the 4th of December. And just to mention that the work of Radio Carom, including our show, wouldn't be possible without the generous support of the Radio Carom sponsors, which include... Freddie's Kitchen, Atticus Health, Seaford North IGA, Mitchell Tour Real Estate and TAD Cabinets. Now, Zeb, you've chosen uh, an upbeat song to see out the show. Why have you chosen Staying Alive by the Bee Gees?
2: (laughs) Well, apart from being fairly obvious in the name of this song... (laughs) But it's also about staying alive to your life because too often we can deaden ourselves to our lives because we get so caught up in the humdrum and the pain and all of the things that we've got overwhelmed by. And we forget that there's moments, stay alive to your life because there's also so much excitement to be had, mm-hmm. you know, connecting with others, connecting with nature, animals, you know. Mm. It's just like it's such a bigger picture, the universe. Mm. So, like, stay alive to it all. Don't close down.
1: A great That's, message to mm. uh, hit us out. Steve, do you want to say anything finally? Yeah
0: just a very heartfelt thanks Um, it's been really an honour to sit here and and listen to you and have the opportunity to record this and to spread it out to let other people hear because I think the message is very clear we need to reduce the fear around death Mm -hmm. we need to talk more about it it's important and I think I like what you mentioned to me off air once was it's not dying it's just passing and if we can refer to it that way maybe there'll be less fear so thank you
2: absolutely thank Thank you. you
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, by the way, our Spotify music playlist for this show, episode 50, will be added to our Facebook post for the episode. Until next time, be true to yourself, be genuine. Bye.